Bell Podcast. I'm Soren Howe, and I'm here with Josh Rosenfield, and we're going to be discussing The Watchers on the Wall, which is the ninth episode of Season 4 of Game of Thrones. Um, this is one of those big battle episodes like Blackwater, uh, where they take the whole 60 minutes, give or take, uh, to focus on one singular event. So, do you think that was justified for this episode? <laughs> Well, the problem with this episode is that it, it totally could have been justified, um, but they didn't do anything with um, the time they gave themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the big problem I had coming out of this episode, and it's tough to talk about because um, it goes into stuff that will happen next week. Um, this episode kind of has... A built-in should have had a built-in structure based on what happens in the book, and the way it ends should have been a very you know big ending. They, they, basically, what they did, you know, I'll try, I'm really trying to be as vague as I possibly can. <laughs> they they cut out the final, the third act of this battle, basically. Oh, wow! And um, there's some big, really cool stuff that happens, and I was really looking forward to this episode because I was like, I can't wait for that, you know, that stuff to happen. And it didn't. It was just kind of like limped out to the credits at the end. And I was really disappointed in that. And it really comes down to like, if you were going to take a whole hour to do this one battle, why would you not do the whole battle? You know? Yeah. I mean, really, that's why it was kind of disappointing to me at the end. Yeah, no, I totally hear you Um, on that. I was actually pretty sure I was a little bit irritated. I was, because this is what has happened in the past is we don't generally get a follow up to, like, big events like that, uh, we usually, it'll focus on a bunch of other stories instead for the finale. So I was a little concerned that that means we're not going to get the conclusion to this story until next season. Um, And I don't know if that's true. I haven't looked. I I expect we will. Um, And then, based on what happens with that conclusion, there is more stuff to lead into. But I would be surprised if they don't, because I think we see Man's Raider in the preview for next week. So oh, at least get that okay. scene. All right. Um, but yeah, it's it is kind of it's just a weird place to leave it. It is, and the fade to white. Yeah, that was that was weird. Um, so getting into specifics though about this episode, um, I think the problem also is that with with what you said because I didn't I just assumed it was a different completely different thing that was going to happen um, beyond the wall. Maybe it was going to be like a multi episode arc. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what um, you know. I haven't read the books, but I. Uh, so I was I was more so now that I know that though I feel like this episode really comes off strangely because there's so many weird pacing choices and and scenes and things that probably could have been eliminated um, or shortened or condensed or fixed in such a way that I mean they were really big on spectacle for this and by the way it was spectacular but also um, you know they're really pushing these 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 budgets and and not in a way that i feel really works splitting off the armies constantly you know i really believe that the uh the lower fort area was being attacked um that was cool because it was a small group of attacking another small group um but with the big army you know splitting them off into like four or five guys um uh, or giants or whatever uh really gives it a a smaller sense of scale um and yeah, so it, it for me it was a a weird sort of dissonance there going on, and and the 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 real crux of it is, um, I didn't care enough for this to be such a big battle. Maybe you cared more in the book, but I was like, I, you know, I, I could have well, I, I could have yeah, seen I mean, this in like a half hour and been like, all right, that's fine. Well, that's the problem. Well, that's another problem with the, devoting an entire hour to this battle. Uh, they've done so little at the wall this season. They've done so little uh, with John. They've done even less with Egret. Um, so her death is, you know, kind of muted because we haven't seen these two together in a whole season and we haven't seen much of her at all. So uh, the idea that this is, to compare it to Blackwater, which is really the only direct comparison in this show, um, that was a show, that was an episode where, oh, there were a lot of characters we cared about. Heading towards there. the same place, yeah. Exactly, and it was like, it was, um, there were genuine stakes because King's Landing is such a presence, a big presence on the show. And there are all these different people who have all these different kind of things going on, uh, unto themselves who are now kind of 
stuck in this situation and there's tension and there's stakes because of that. Right. Um, but with this battle at the wall, it's like, do we even, I know John's name and I know Sam's name. And like, if I hadn't read the books, I would not, I didn't even know who these other people were really like, and I know these characters names just from the books, but even on screen, I had no idea who Gren or, or Pip or Ed were supposed to be on screen. And it's like, why, why should I care when these people are killed? We've spent no time with them up to this point. They were minor yeah. deaths, though. I, I will say that I loved... I mean, so you know how much I love the first season, and Pip was, yeah. a, was a big part of John's initial piece, and, and, and I was... And Gren as well. And, and for me, both of them dying actually had not only emotional resonance, but more than uh, Igret, <laughs> only because, um, first of all, they were like... Well, Gren, Gren was a soldier, but Pip was just like, you know, and like his whole story, his backstory is really sad, and they get into that in the first season. But he takes, he took such a backseat. Every time he reappeared in a scene, just to jump in and be like, I'm Pip, and then leave again, I'd be like, yay, Pip's still alive, he's still around. Um, so when he died, I was like, oh, really? Come on. Um, and so that was sad for me, but I agree. I actually think that they've spent enough time on the wall this season. I think that they should have given more time to Pip and Gren and, and characters who were going to die. Um, and they, but what they really failed on was, was, um, was Egret. That was very disconcerting, uh, that they gave so, so little time for her, especially since she's a great actress. Um, the last season, that whole plot line was very interesting. You were constantly trying to figure out what was going to happen. Uh, it was one of the, one of the much stronger, uh, plot lines that season. And so uh, for me, the, the, to have eager to come in and then just die you know it basically that was the biggest plot point she had all season that that was no fun for me yeah it's well it feels like a tail end to last season that should have been like that should have happened much quicker well yeah i think this is the first example of uh the splitting of book three into two seasons kind of uh biting them because this moment works so much better when it's all in one book and yeah. it's the same story. And that makes more this sense. Entire thing. Yeah. yeah, but when it's like split up across two seasons and they're more analogous to two different books, and especially since we've spent so little time with Egret. And by the way, Pip and Gren uh, don't die in the books. So, oh. To, yeah, to, to kill them off after not even establishing them, after establishing them far less as characters than the books even did, is a bizarre choice. I don't know where that's coming from. Oh, that's really um, sad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I'm and really it, upset. <laughs> Yeah, Pip and Gren, and, and especially Ed. Ed is a fantastic character in the book. Who, um, who is Ed? I'm sorry, I have absolutely exactly. No Well, exactly. He's the guy who John gives the command of the wall to in this episode when he goes down to fight in the... Oh, yard. yeah, he, he seemed cool. I don't really remember him, but yeah. In the book, Ed is like Westeros Eeyore. He's, <laughs> he's always talking about how terrible things are and moping around, and he's a really funny character, and none of that in the show. And obviously there's a you know, time constraint and how much time you can spend with these tertiary characters. Sure, sure. But still, if you're expecting us to have any kind of real emotional reaction to these characters, and I, I understand that uh, I completely believe that you did have a connection to them. I honestly completely forgot that they did stuff in season one. Um, Only because they're the first people John, they're the first people John meets. And so they're, they're important, you know, and they stick up for him. And, and that throughout this season, Gren's had a lot of time. Pip has had almost no time, but Gren's at least been able to, stay by John's side and do a lot of really awesome stuff. Um, you know, just like moral support, that kind of thing. And so for me, that, that was, that was enough for me to care about him. And then Pip, I don't know. I just felt really bad for him in the first season and I continued to feel bad for him, even though he was barely in it. Um, but yeah. And then Ed, I had no idea. Honestly, I didn't even know there was a character named Ed. So, (laughs) well, and what is, yeah, it's especially true with Egret this season because I don't know what the showrunners are expecting from us with Egret's death. I really don't. I don't, I don't either. Do they want And to... we're going to get into that scene because I was I was irritated on several levels. Yeah, I mean my my problem with this moment is that they're just kind of expecting us to have a remaining connection to John and Egret's relationship without having had done the legwork to make their relationship a strong part of this season yeah. to lead up to this big moment in episode 9 like if this is if we're talking comparing all these previous episode nines, um, this is the big. This is a big character death, or it should be. Yeah. But it has no weight to it, you know. 
John hasn't had talked about Egret really, or like their scenes as few and far between as they've really been have not in any way been related to each other. You know, Egret, I guess implicitly, but like she doesn't get scenes where she talks about Jon Snow until the one in this episode before the battle. Right. So this moment has no, you know, history in this, in season four, in season three, obviously it does, but that was so long ago. And it does like, it just feels kind of like the showrunners are assuming more of us than, uh, we have based on what they've given us. Right. Yeah, Uh, no, for for sure. And, And there's a lot of, there's a lot of that, um, sort of weird back and forth. Um, my, my least favorite, or that was my least favorite, but the, I mean, like, short of the flashbacks we get at the very beginning of the episode on previously on, um, there's almost nothing there. Uh, and, and Egret does have great, a great moment just before this when she's in the camp, um, talking to the, the Fens and, and to Tormund and all the rest of them. Um, by the way, I only know his name's Tormund because you said that and that stuck with, (laughs) stuck in my head, but again... Crazy bearded guy is pretty much where I would go um, for that one. But uh, so Egret is a uh, gets a really great scene there. It's like our last chance to be a character on the show. Um, and so and then and then there's the battle. But 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 speaking of not remembering parts of the relationship, when he's holding her, and she's like, uh, "We should have stayed in the cave." I'm like, "Oh right, the cave, right with the waterfall. That was nice." That was a long time ago, and I only remembered it. I only remembered it because that was, uh, I believe, in the uh, previously on. Um, I would have been really confused as to what they were talking about. I had to really like think about it. Um, and it was funny. Somebody actually said when uh, this scene was happening, they were flashing back to, um, or flashing to the uh, to Frodo and Sam, um, and they're like, uh, you know, he's like, "Do you remember the Shire?" And they have to call back all the way to, uh, you know, the first movie, which is, like, many, many hours before. And even then, even then, with the great scale and, like, length and whatever of Lord of the Rings, it's still less time than between, uh, you know, the last time we were in the cave with Egret and, uh, and Jon Snow. So, I don't know. This scene was very strange to me. And it's, even the way they play it is very kind of oh yes formally cliche. formally i yeah, get really exactly it's like you know it. they're holding each other and whispering as the and the battle is raging around them in slow motion and nobody's doing and anything God. yeah yeah exactly it's like the battle is just nobody's paying attention to what's going on with the two of them although i will say i did love the moment where the kid uh, shot her with the arrow and then nods to john yeah like, like he did something back. good yeah that was a fantastic moment that was a good moment although i do wonder how it looked like a, a like a toy I was pretty impressed that he was able to shoot an arrow, not only accurately, but it, that it went into a person and killed them. Um, that was impressive, because it didn't look very uh, deadly to me. Um, but what was worse about that scene, and this is the part that really irritates me, I don't know if you noticed this, but did you see how it was shot? So, like, the camera's revolving around them, and they just hold it there for, like, five, ten seconds... And on the left, everything's fiery and burning, and on the right, it's all cool, and that's where John's, John Snow is, and it's like, look, red hair and fire, and that's, she's wildling, and look, it's crazy, and John Snow, it's cool and, and, and wintry and depressing, and look at the dichotomy, isn't it so impressive, and look, at, we're so amazed with the shot that we got, and it's just so... Like I don't even know what the word is. cliche, force, dumb, on the nose. You know, pick your descriptor, but it's just it's so stupid. And and not only that, not only is it like the orange blue is just, and I know a song of ice and fire that it sort of works there, um, and maybe that's that's the idea behind it. Um, but orange and blue is also like a huge trope. So like the whole scene was just, I was like really. And they cut it's cut right down the middle between Egret and John. So yeah, I was. I didn't notice that. Um, oh, it's but I so blatant. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is unfortunate. Um, it's just cheesy and distracting, yeah. you know. And I and I could just see them thinking, "Wow, we really nailed this." And it's like, mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I maybe the showrunners and the people you know who are well, you know, just go the creating the show have more of an attachment to John and Egret than viewers do. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I, I can only imagine that that's where that's coming from. I love Egret, um, by the way. You know? I mean, 
I, I don't I don't hate Egret. I don't hate John either. It's just I don't really I don't care about either of them. Yeah. Really. And it's me too. It, I should because John is like should be an important feel and uh, feels like an important character. The only characters I care about on the wall are Sam and Gilly. Yeah, because um, I like both of them and I think that they are fun to watch on screen. Um, but yeah, and then Sam gets some great moments in this episode. Right, absolutely. You no, know, so that was another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, I really liked them building up the first half of this episode, or the first third, or whatever it was, uh, with Sam. But I was really actually upset with the way it panned out. So, so it was, as they were as they were building it up, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be Sam's episode. Sam's going to get to do something great." And then they build it up, they build it up, and then the battle happens, and he does, like, a couple of things. Like, he, he's helping Pip with the crossbows, and he does shoot a Fen in the head. I think it's the Warg. Um, but that then that's it. That's pretty much the whole thing. He talks to John, you know, and they, you know, there's conversations and things like that. Um, but it's not like, he doesn't have, like, a big moment where, like, he saves everyone, which I think would have been fully appropriate at this point, because Sam has been so, you know, everyone thinks he's useless and whatever. Um, and, you know, the way we were introduced to him where he's, you know, people are beating him and he's like, you know, he won't fight back and he doesn't like want to fight anyone. Um, although he does seem to be getting over that, obviously. Um, but that, that to, to build him up so much in this episode and then to just, they forget about him in like the second half, he's barely in it. Well, yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Um, and maybe it was, maybe it was just because, um, this, this didn't occur to me maybe just because uh, I'm aware of where Sam's arc is going. So, like, I know that Sam doesn't really do anything at in this point that they're depicting. But I so I really did like kind of the moments that they give him in the second half of the episode are all, you know, character moments that are about Sam. And it's not really him outwardly affecting the battle in a major way, but it's him clearly having undergone a change in personality and in... Just oh, for sure, for out, sure. Outlook and the way that he deals and talk, deals with Pip and then Gren and or really just Pip and uh, talks to them and has a much more optimistic view on how this battle is going to go. I really like that, and I really like that um, the show is able to uh, uh, change characters. Yeah, that, you know it, the show. I agree. I, I just thought it was going to have like a, an immediate consequence. You know, he was going to do something, you know, super brave or noble or something during the fight. You know, maybe even saving John once that could be cool. Um, but yeah, there's no reason they couldn't have. I mean, that is. So I understand. You're right. It is. It is disappointing that they didn't do more with Sam in this. Just episode. just because he was like the focus. They barely focused on John. It was all Sam. Sam has the conversation with um, uh, with Master Amon. You know, he he has he goes around. He he, he talks to Gilly. He, um, he's, he's ordering the gate keep around. I think it was Pip. Um, uh, he's ordering him to open the gate to, to let Gillian. He's doing a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, and then he just sort of takes a back seat during the fight. I mean, he's, he's helping, but he's not doing anything like extraordinary. And I think that's really the, like the kid had a bigger role because he shoots Egret. I thought Sam might actually, because of the way they were building it up. And so when it was the kid, I was like, well, I guess, you know, <laughs> Um, well, they've been, they have been subtly in the background building the kid towards that, which is kind of weird. And have they really? Yeah, well, the, the, when we introduce the kid, he's watching Egret shoot his dad in the head, and then he goes to the wall and he says, I'm the best, you know, marksman in my whole village. Oh, I totally then, forgot that was that kid. Yeah, it's the same kid. Oh, my and, God. Um, I, so wow. immediately when that happens, I was like, oh, he's going to be the one to shoot Egret later. Right. Um, so they have was that in him. the book as well? No, in the book, he John just finds her, and we don't know who shot her. Oh, uh, okay. So it is kind of interesting that they've done this stealth uh, hero subplot with this random kid, you know, where he learn grows up and he learns to be a man and he avenges his father, right. you know, adjacent to this completely different storyline that has major <laughs> that it has major ramifications on. Uh, so yeah, it was. I, I liked having the kid do it. I don't think it really makes a makes a difference uh, ultimately on either no no not at all i mean unless they're gonna make this kid into a character though like i don't i didn't care about his plot line i forgot he was the same kid so like they just offed uh, pip and grin so i guess they need more people at the wall now yeah yeah there's that um there's certainly that element of it that they that they're sort of running out of characters to care about at the wall but you know honestly trimming down the cast not really a big problem i feel like 
That's reasonable. Uh, no, I, I agree, yeah. it's um, Especially since I had forgotten that Pip and Gren were even really characters on the show. Exactly, um, there you go. I don't think that, yeah, it's not, it doesn't even matter. So in terms of structuring for this episode, or for the battle itself, I think that's something that we should really discuss, because I think that there was a, well, there's a lot to talk about in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of the battle. So how did, how did you, did it was it the way you envisioned it, um, visually speaking, or even just in the, the way the show was structured, the episode was structured? Um, well, what the weirdest thing about it, especially um, taking what I what I said earlier about um, cutting the third act, is that it's a con- it is a condensed version. The battle does play take place over multiple nights uh, in the books, but I think I'm remembering this right. Uh, the wildlings attacking from the north and the wildlings attacking from the south; those don't happen at the same time. Uh, the, that is a great change to have. I think that's exactly yeah. It added a lot of tension to it. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so I liked that. I did not like. Um, necessarily the fact the, the scenes of the wildlings north of the wall it it just seemed their party seemed very small and it didn't really seem intimidating especially since they've been talking up man says this gigantic army and I know so that he was just you know testing he wasn't sending all his people but it still did feel weirdly small scale right uh, their side of the invasion oh that's right the south of the wall people were also technically coming to open the gate I guess to let yeah. them through oh so i guess though so i guess the giants were also trying to open the gate i don't know what the plan was i think the, here. i think the plan is so south of the wall they were trying to get into the fort which would allow them to open the gate normally the giants were going in to literally rip the gate off and just charge in to get over the wall or to get huh. through the wall so like it was a two-pronged approach but it's sort of like sneaking into a camp opening the gate so that the army can rush in i think that was the idea um and so I liked I liked that from like a battle perspective. That's really cool, and and it and it actually improves this aspect of the show, which I wasn't a big fan of. Um, I'm sure this probably crossed your mind. It certainly crossed my mind several times. But were you getting a lot of uh, a lot of um, flashbacks to Helm's Deep? Oh yeah, okay. Definitely. So uh, yes. <laughs> so I as I was watching this, I was positive that what the people who were making this show were doing were going back and not copying the. Um, copying the whole scene, but copying the beats, the story beats. Because the way it plays out is like there's all these very similar parallel lines. Um, particularly, uh, you know, there's the there's first of all there's the giant crazy berserker guy who challenge who charges this little gate at the bottom of a big, uh, big wall, just like just like in Helm's Deep, uh, and that's it's a giant in this case, but it was an Arakai in the other one. It's the same thing. Um, and or or like just as the battle's about to start and they're building it up and it's really intense and you can see the army uh, and then uh, the commander says hold and someone of course lets an arrow go or a barrel I guess in this case and it just like it was so blatant that they were getting it now if you're gonna do like a siege or like an attack on a big wall and you need a reference point Helm's Deep is the reference point because Helm's Deep is awesome it's my favorite battle in Lord of the Rings. Epic. Really well done. Um, but it did feel like that, and, and it suffered for it as well, because Helm's Deep looks like there's tens of thousands of people attacking a wall. You really believe that battle is taking place. It, it Through CG and a crap ton of extras, they really sell it, uh, because they're, it's a multi-million dollar movie, you know? Um, but in this case, I just wasn't as, I wasn't as sold on the battle. Uh, and so that, for me, was was problematic. And so I liked the fact that there was two people coming from both sides because it changed it from the Helm's Deep sort of framework. It added another layer of tension and, and intrigue and, and things like that. Yeah, well, it's funny because um, I think once the battle really gets started, uh, the stuff south of the wall is very Helm's Deep, but the stuff north of the wall reminded me more of Eleanor Fields from Return of the King. Oh, yes, uh, a little with bit. With the woolly mammoths especially. Yes, yes, definitely, and I, I, you instantly get screams of that as well. There's, uh, right as the, like the tusks are entering, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be. You're like, it's an olifant. Oh, it's not an olifant. It's a, it's a woolly mammoth. And and I did, I honestly thought that was cool. The CG was fantastic. The giants look great. Um, yeah, everything looked great, and it helped that it was all in the in the dark. I think. Yes, whatever it was, it looked real. I mean, it was very cool. Uh, as as real as a giant riding a mammoth look. Um, but I will say this: during the fight, I was actively yelling at the tv because um there were just periods during it that made absolutely no sense 
uh, in particular, um, there was that scene um, where the mammoth and the uh, the giants are attacking the little gate, and they're just standing there on the top of the wall watching them. And they do it for, it's like a whole scene, because we have to see the giants do their thing. But it's so stupid, because why would you let them get any make any progress on this? You know, they're like, what's he doing? What's the giant? Probably trying to get into the gate. That's a reasonable assessment. <laughs> um, and they have barrels just sitting there. I'm like, this would be the time to use your flaming barrels. Why would you just sit there and watch as he tears off one thing, tears off another thing, fastens the mammoth, lets the mammoth pull it, they pull it, they pull it, they pull it, cuts away, goes, does other things, then comes back, and then they're like, use the barrels! Yeah, that would be a reasonable approach, I think, to the fact that there's people trying to get into your gate. Um, and so that that really irritated me. And there were just a lot of moments like that where you're like, why wouldn't you just... Or, or um, as much as I love Gren's final stand with his, you know, his compatriots against the giant that gets into the gate, um, you know, they stand right behind the grating as this giant is charging them. And you're like, that grating is going to squish all of you. It ended up not, but I was, uh, it was a very strange choice. And, um, yeah, so there was just a lot of, like, little moments where you're like, I, this doesn't seem probable uh, at all. And, and it, was, it was like common sense moments, you know. Well, I think one of my bigger problems um, with the fighting is that, and this hasn't been as much of a problem with the wall stuff in the past, but it was really made apparent to me in this episode. Uh, Castle Black looks like a set. It just always does. <laughs> and it's not like, I know that there was that there's this big bravura long take zooming all over the battlefield, which is cool, but it only emphasized to me that this is all just a soundstage. And these, like, it was almost like it was showing us, like, these are the limits of what we can show you. Right. Zoom all around. Well, you know, I actually, I felt, especially by linking, because, you know, before they would show, like, the top of the wall in quotes, and, of course, it's just one, like, stage or whatever. Then, like, a long shot of the wall, which, of course, is CG. And then, like, they'd show Castle Black. And um, what was really funny was... Like, you would never see them in the same place at the same time, and so you kind of, like, just took it, and you just ex- accepted it. Um, but yeah, from, they're showing the elevators again was a good decision. Showing the elevator was a really good decision. You really believe that. You got to see bits of the wall up close without CG uh, because of the elevator, and you had things going on on both ends, on the top of the wall and the bottom of the wall, and they were going back and forth. Characters were moving from one end to the other constantly. And because of that, it felt a lot more like one contiguous set maybe but certainly it felt like the same place um so i actually really like that especially just the fact that you know they would do some aerial views of like uh of torment and all of his gang and and egret attacking on the bottom and then um you know you would, it almost felt like they were looking at that from the top of the wall they were looking at their castle being attacked and so that that i actually i actually thought it was better in this episode uh, than in previous ones because they would just cut to this one um, although I, seeing uh, where uh, where Commander Mormont's old off um, quarters were and that whole like deck area, it looks it's from season one, straight out of season one, where John kills the White, um, and I was just like, oh, it's the same set, cool. And I shouldn't have been thinking that. I shouldn't have been thinking, oh, that's where Commander Mormont used to live. Okay, all right, um, but that wasn't my reaction. I mean, the good what's really successful about um, the stuff in the yard is the establishment of the geography of the area that was extremely successful. Um, and just, and that, uh, long take helped in that, but it was also just, um, the director, Neil Marshall, um, and the way he would move the camera and, and place shots. There was never any confusion about where something was in the yard. Right. Or, right. And it really, know. it really helped, um, to show, uh, there was that Fen, that like, really big one. Um, running around killing people, and as you followed him around, you got the lay of the land as well. Yeah, it was definitely... And that's something that, like, even in in, in, in any kind of TV show or, or movie, you know, Lord of the Rings... I was going to say, that's, they, you do it in Helm's, they do it in Helm's Deep all the time. Like, they keep following certain characters around so that you can have an idea of where they are. Yeah, exactly. And I think a problem that these kind of scenes often run into is just you, you have no idea where you are as an audience member. Right. And there's no sense of like, it's just, it's like in every single shot, you, they might as well be teleporting to some completely different location because there's never any sense of, um, continuity. Continuity. I was, was going to say, 
but sometimes that's intentional. I mean, I, I've seen. Really, it's a question of does it work? <laughs> um, I won't. Because because if you use discontinuity editing right, you know you pull, you know you do something like Sergei Eisenstein or something, and you really make a a scene feel chaotic, and you don't know where you are, and that's the point um, because it's just everything's going crazy. Um, it's that's a really useful technique, but but that's not an excuse for bad cinematography. You know, like that those scenes in in you know any film that uses discontinuity editing, those scenes are intentionally. Uh, you know, confusing in a very specific and emotionally grabbing sort of way. You know, they use montage theory and a lot of things that really play into that. Um, you can't just, you know, dra- throw the camera all over the place, you shake your cam and stuff. That doesn't add to the confusion. That adds to nausea and disinterest. I agree, yeah. And if, if there's anything that um, this episode succeeded in, it's in not doing that. Exactly. I totally don't think that happened at all. Yeah, Which is sure. exactly we talked about uh, last week with the Mountain and the Viper. Um, some not great action directing in that scene. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. If, only, if only Neil Marshall had had that episode as well. Or just that I, scene, really. Exa- well, exactly, yeah. If only. But, if only. Um, um, and then the one other thing I just want to mention, this is just, this isn't a huge point, but I thought the Giants uh that when the giant shoots the arrow and hits that guy and it goes into the air over the wall and then lands at the bottom, that was another good way of connecting the two. Um, yes, exactly. That was a great scene. It was total overkill and I absolutely loved it. I thought that was so, so cool. Um, I agree. That was a definitely, that was a highlight for sure. That, absolutely a highlight of an episode that is, um, it was decent. I mean, it was fine. You know what I mean? Like there was nothing. It's just, Especially as we're coming into the finale, it wasn't anything that, like, got me excited. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it was, you know, they set themselves up for disappointment by having to, by putting this as their episode nine, which they themselves have, you know, created in the mythology of the show. That the big episode is always episode nine with, you know, obviously Baylor and Blackwater and the Reigns of Castamere. Great episodes, huge events. Right. This was an okay episode and really nothing happened. Yeah, and um, and you know it it's is, actually it's funny. I actually I prefer the finales to if um to a lot of the the ninth uh, episode the the penultimate finale. Um because uh they tend to have really great moments. I loved I think I thought season 3 Reigns of Castamere was a was a fine episode. I guess part of it was that people were bigging it up so much. Um so I kind of was like, you know, whatever and and uh and I didn't, um, I actually, I did like Blackwater more than the finale of season two, because the finale of season two was just not good. Um, way too much going on, way too much crammed in. Um, but the season one finale, I mean, I, as I said before, I stood up and applauded that. That was absolutely incredible. And Daenerys first, you know, her dragon's hatch. Oh my god. Um, and, and then uh, in season three, I thought the finale, again, ending with Daenerys, was fantastic. Um so I'm actually looking more forward to like I wasn't I didn't have high expectations for a long battle episode, um, so I'm looking more forward to to I guess the next episode is called the Children, which is the final episode, and that to me sounds yeah. like a uh, oh man yeah I'm very excited well, for that. The thing is, um, I'm going to be interested then to see your reaction because typically the season finales are all about picking up the pieces from episode nine, right? Um, and kind of they're typically a little. Uh, slower, a little uh, more subdued, right. and this episode is going to be none of that. It's going to be like five episode nines rolled into one. It's going to completely change the paradigm of what the show is. Wow! It's going to be I, I, not to big it up well, or anything. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, that's the problem is that I would have you know told you to get really excited about this episode because of what I thought was going to happen at the end, and it didn't. But now that thing is going to happen next week, along with all these other things that I knew was going to happen next week. Well, it's going to be amazing. But are you are you sure a lot of those things are going to happen, or they won't save them for like the beginning of next season? I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, and because especially, well, the preview worries me because um, it shows a lot of stuff that, uh, like the scene with whatever uh, J- uh, Jamie and Cersei or Tywin and Cersei just kind of chatting. I was like, why are you wasting time? There's so much other stuff to do. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, there's definitely a ton of stuff that's going to not just be huge events, but definitely set up new directions that the show is going in with all the major characters. Um, and because this, this is now the end of a book, it's not kind of handicapped the way that season three kind of was, where 
you have to create artificially create an ending in the middle of a story. This is the end of the story, and it feels it's going to feel like the end of a story. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm excited for that. I hope that's that's what happens. Um, and if it sucks, I apologize. Yes, um, yes. No, I'm. You know, it is what it is. It's not. You know, you didn't make the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, I will say. So there was, there's one other thing that I wanted to quickly mention, um, or two other things, just about the battle. Um, I first, I, I I love the idea of uh, Slint being a total loser, coward. Um, I love characters like that. Because I hate them, you know what I mean. I love them because I hate them, and and they're just fantastic. Because, um, again, if you if you watch Spartacus, there are characters like that, and you just you want to grab them and just punch them. You know, they're the worst, and uh, and they they almost always get their come up. And so I'm very excited to see what happens with Slint. Um, I thought Alistair Thorne was awesome in this episode. Um, yeah, just it's the first time I liked him. He was he he was a you know what this episode did. It showed why he's in charge. It showed where his leadership qualities are. It shows why he's so cocky. Uh, it showed, uh, you know, he is, you know, he even gives that little mini speech about leadership uh, or being a leader. And and I think that this episode really cemented him as, like, somebody I want to see survive and do well and, 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 and things like that. So he's not dead, right? He just got wounded? Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember... Uh, I, I really should have gone back and reread uh, book three, or at least the last half of book three before this season. I don't remember what happens to him. I'm not sure. They could honestly, well, with the changes they're making with these characters, they could just they they might just be killing him off and be. They might be, it. but they made a big show of him being pulled away to safety or rolling off the. You know, why would they do that if he's? But then they keep saying like, "Well, who else is going to lead us? Who else is going to lead us?" I'm like, if he's still alive, he can give <laughs> orders. Like, wh- what? So, but they don't make it clear at all. So I'm really confused. Yeah, they could. They're definitely um, letting it sit as a cliffhanger. And if, if there are probably book readers who just remember what happens, and that's not a cliffhanger for them. It's a cliffhanger for me right now because I do not remember at all what happens <laughs> to Alice. Well, there you go. I I, I would like to see him take. Uh, Slint to task. I think that would be awesome. A great way to handle that. Uh, assuming Slint gets taken to task. Although, you know, this is Game of Thrones, so um, that's entirely possible that won't happen. Um, and then the one other thing that really irritated me about this episode uh, was right at the end, like, so among the the common sense, uh, the complete negligence of common sense that had been happening throughout, John goes to, the, you know, he's at the gate, about to head out to go and talk to Mance Raider, and he's like, here, take my sword, I can't lose it again. Um, maybe you want to use it to kill things, because that's why you were given it, and <laughs> isn't it valuable to, what the hell? And not only that's, that. And that's why he said he was going there in the first place. I, right? So many dumb things, and not only that, fine, don't take that sword. Take a different sword. <laughs> why would you leave without a sword? What the hell's wrong with you? I was... Just I was it made no sense. And he walks off into the white, but all I can think of is that's really dumb. He's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That was a bizarre I couldn't and also, you know, I prom you know, I'm gonna I promised I'd I wouldn't lose it or something, as if he's referring to some moment that I, I don't recall at all. I don't know. Yeah, I I assume that um there was some moment with him and Sir Mormons where he said, Don't lose this sword because that's what John said happened. So right, or or maybe he was just maybe he's just paying you know honor to his because it was supposed to go to Jorah at some point, so maybe that's what it is, and so he's just like he's trying to keep the honor of it or whatever. That I get again. What good is a sword that you're constantly worried about losing or whatever? A and B. Why would you not bring a weapon? I understand like as he goes to talk to Mance, they'll probably D weapon him and whatever, but I don't know. It seems odd. Yeah, it's well. I mean, I guess we'll we'll see where it goes next week. Um, but I agree, that whole scene is kind of well. It's set up as this ridiculous, dumb plan, and he justifies it with, "Well, do you have a better idea?" Yeah, exactly. I, Which is my better idea would be, "Don't go to Mance Raider. Why? What are you doing? Why? Why? Why do you need a plan right now?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and honestly, it's like that's. I actually was fine with that. But then when he's like, also, I'm not bringing my sword. Also, I will not protect myself. You're like, why? 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 <laughs> yeah, so um, so there's that. So hopefully next episode will be... And this is actually one of... I think I think this was my least episode, favorite episode of the season. I um, agree, yes. 
um, which is unfortunate it's because it's been a great season. season. Yeah, it's been a fantastic season. I mean, I've this, loved it. You know, ostensibly would have been like the big climax, but that's the that's the weird thing about this episode. And this is what I'll say in conclusion. This is if you know episode the episode nines that we've gotten in the past are the culmination of every of the biggest you know storylines of that season. Obviously, the Red Wedding and Ned's death. And even and Blackwater, you know, all right. these kind of characters coming to a head. This epi- the wall has been such a non-presence this season. Why would you kind of waste your big space here on such a real on such a kind of non-event? You know, yeah. if it, if you're trying to center it around Egret's death, you know, newsflash, nobody cares. Right. Um, I don't. It's it boggles my mind. I guess they just wanted to do another big battle episode. And they I, read the book and they were like, oh, it says there's a battle here. I guess we, we, we can do, do a battle. That. Yeah, and, and I was feeling the same way. And it's funny because before this episode, I was like, oh, I don't want to spend a whole episode of The Wall seeing them fight the wildlings. And it turns out I was exactly right. This is exactly what I thought it would be. <laughs> um, so there's that. And the, the other thing, too, though, I think, and this is actually perhaps the fault of this being a better season than other seasons, is that I was genuinely... Um, like, there were other episodes in other seasons that were just nothing would happen of any real import. You know, something interesting might happen in the last couple of minutes. But uh, I think the most interesting, or the best example of this is, um, not the most interesting, the best example of this is The King's Road from season one. Um, it's a fine episode, but there's something about the pacing or direction. And after what had happened in the first episode where Bran got pushed out the window and that whole thing... It's such a non-episode. It's them traveling, and there, you know, there's not a bunch of storylines at that point. Um, and so, you know, so there's and those kind of episodes popped up all the time. And it wouldn't be until like midway or towards the end of the season that they'd really pick up. This season has had a lot of really awesome big moments that were given their due. We had Oberyn really get his time in and stuff. And so, and last episode was such a big moment, you know, the the big fight. And so that was really compelling. And so uh, this episode. It's, it wasn't necessary to elevate the show, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't amazing enough to elevate it, even if it wanted to. And because of that, it stood in weak comparison to these other episodes, which were very good. This season hasn't had any like crappy filler or anything, as far as I can tell. It hasn't had like an episode where you're like, mm, not very good. So it actually pales in comparison instead of elevating the show the way these episodes usually do. Episode five was as, was as close as they came, I think. Um, that was a kind of a slower episode, but even that episode had. Um of few interesting things in it at, at least um that was the episode where they went back to uh craster's keep oh right an interesting thing happened at the wall yeah exactly um, and actually you know that was a quick fight but there was some interesting things there was some satisfactory things that happened um where characters we didn't like died and 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 uh you know we got to see um the direwolves do their thing a little bit, um, which we got here, but uh, I don't know. That was just, a great moment in yeah. this episode, by the way. Yes, it was a good episode. Where he, like, goes I mean, good, a good moment. We got yeah. the ghost POV running through the battle. I loved that. That was very cool. I, uh, I, yeah, you wonder. It's like, wouldn't you? Of course you would let Ghost out. Ghost is awesome, and it's going to kill some dudes. Um, so that was cool, though. It was very brief, and then he didn't seem to be in it anymore, but it was fine. It, it worked for that moment. Um so yeah, hopefully uh, moving forward, it'll um, going into the finale, it'll be as interesting as you seem to think it will be. Um, one I other th- hope for for my sake and yours, and for my, yeah, and watchers. Um, the one other thing I just want to throw out there is a this is and I don't want to get into like a whole discussion about this because I feel like it could be its own thing. But um, in this show, and I wonder if this is an interesting might be an interesting exercise for the creators of the show. Once the show's done, like, done, done, would it be possible to, A, maybe edit together uh, single storylines as they go through, um, just to have, like, to see, like, if I just want to follow Jon Snow for the entire series, see how long it is and see if it, like, narratively makes sense? Um, That could be really interesting. Another really interesting idea is they decided to not do chapters uh, or like do it in quite the same way that it's in the book, where it's like each chapter is from the perspective of a certain character. And I was thinking about how interesting it would be to have a season where each episode just focuses on not a big event, but a character. Uh, and so like for this season, for example, we would get like all of Sansa's storyline, or we'd get all of... And so we'd see it from different perspectives as you go through. Um, I'm sure it was on the table when they were thinking about it, but I think they've actually lost some things. Like, for example... 
if we had seen all of Jon Snow and Egret's storyline in one fell swoop, that could have been really interesting, you know? Uh, it sounds like you're describing season four of Arrested Development. Yes, except, except, uh, good. Um, <laughs> I am describing that. And it's funny, in that show, that show, but the thing is, this is not an ensemble show. That's the big lie. This is not an ensemble show. This is lots of little ensembles. Arrested Development worked because everyone was interacting with each other all the time. And actually, people have gone back and re-edited the show in such a way that you have, uh, when characters, like, meet each other, and, and like, there's, because there's a lot of overlap in the storylines, um, they edited it all together into, like, the format of the old shows so that you could get the old sort of vibe. Um, and then whenever there was two characters in the same place, they would just put the the shots side by side so that you could see both perspectives at the same time. And that's a really interesting exercise as well. But this is the opposite situation where it's already split up, you know? And so why would you why would you force this ensemble feel when they're not, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, Lena Headey probably never sees Kit Harrington. Why would she, you know? They're not in an ensemble together. It's, you might as well not be on the same show. So it's like, uh, I can sort of see the the way you could probably do it that's in a way that's a, a little bit more similar to the books that might have helped uh, the narrative structure uh, at least a little bit. Uh, instead of these weird, like, let's put one battle in one episode. I don't know. I don't know if that works so well. Well, I, I think that's an interesting idea. It would exercise be... as an exercise, not a permanent yeah, solution, exactly. right? Um, the thing, the different, the way that would be different from the books is that the books, while they are from different characters' perspectives, uh, the characters still do overlap. So there's still know, chunks. A, yeah, yeah. A sure. Jamie chapter in book three would still have him interacting with you know uh, Tyrion. Yeah, well, like like I've kind of said in the past that certain events were from a certain character's perspective. Um, like the uh, fight, the Overend fight is from Tyrion's perspective, but we still are seeing all these other characters who we know are there. We just right, don't right. see it through their eyes. What you get with in book four, really, st- not, not not as much in book five. In book four, really strongly, since there are a lot fewer characters and there are a lot of new characters who are getting kind of individual things, characters start to spread out at this point um, even further than they already have. So we get kind of, and I'm thinking more specifically of the Cersei chapters. Right. We're really, and we'll get to this next season, which is going to be interesting, inside her head. And it's very much like the things that she is doing and how they, they are affecting the people around her. And um, that, so I think that would be interesting to kind of see an episode that's just, this is, this is Cersei. This is who she is. And I, it's actually akin to Lost, I think where at Lost would do episodes where they'd have focus on a certain character on the island and then have their flashbacks. Sure, yeah, exactly. Or, or even Orange is the New Black is do, does that sometimes, too. Do um, they? I, I still haven't watched Orange is the New oh, Black. You should, you should catch up. It's, uh, I, I am going to start soon, I promise. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it'd be cool. The other option is to do something like Louie, where Louie, it's not true anymore, but the way the show used to be is it would be like, you know, like, chairs slash education. And, like, the first half of the show would be about chairs or something you know some story about chairs and the second half would be about education and so uh so you could do like episodes where maybe you don't want to do somebody's complete story but giving us a half hour with Jon Snow and a half hour with Cersei or half hour with Daenerys uh would really give us a good sense of that character and and while it would be tough because you wouldn't come back to that character for a while um you could maybe split it up throughout the season so you had like Jon Snow in episodes one and five, and you had Cersei in episode, and then mix them up with who they're paired with, and maybe have some narrative parallels there. Um, I just think there are other ways to do it, because giving, like, five seconds of a character, like, you know, two minutes of a character, that's what we had this season with Egret. It didn't work, you know? <laughs> so, um, I, I think it's just, it's too chopped up. You know, more, bigger chunks, I think, would work uh, in, a, in a bit better way that would give more time to, to these characters. Um... And then just uh, on one last point uh, on that note. So I, my big complaint about season two finale is that it's longer. It's a longer episode, and it still doesn't cover all the things. You know, it crams a lot of little climaxes in, and in a really unsatisfying way, at least for me. And it's frustrating because there's so many scenes of just nothing happening in the early parts of that season. And you're like, why? If you knew you were going to have so much to cram in at the end, why wouldn't you more evenly distribute it? And so here we have this episode where you feel like this battle could have been contained, at least what they showed of this battle could have been contained in at least a half hour, you know, a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. Um, 
certainly it didn't necessarily need a whole episode. And so uh, if they have to rush to fit a lot of things into this finale, um, I'm going to be irritated because they could have chopped this episode up. They could have distributed the time of it better so that we weren't focused all on this battle for the se- you know, because there are other things that need time and attention. Well, yeah, like I say, they could have finished the story of the wall for this season in this episode. For some reason, they chose not to. I and there's the problem is that there's more. There's enough stuff uh, left with the wall that I hope that I assume I can pr- predict they're going to do. That it's going to be a sizable chunk of next week, which makes me worried about all the other stuff that they have to do for next week. It just it just boggles my mind, and you'll see next week what I'm talking about. It just boggles my mind why they had to spend so much time on this battle and not do the ending of the battle. Exactly, and you know, and it probably wasted budget, you know, and a lot of things that I just I don't know why it was necessary to do it. Um, one thing is I think they might save some big big moments for next season because uh, you know that's what they did this season. There were there were things that you said that happened at the end of the book that um, were pushed uh, into the beginning of this season. So this season started off really strong, and actually, if it leads to really compelling boat waves to start next season, um, that could be really cool. Uh, just to again keep that momentum going. Uh, but I guess we'll we'll have to see what they do. And the, yes, de- next week I'm. I, oh my god! I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> You'll see. And by the way, if they don't do some of the things um, that I think they're going to do next week, this is gonna, it's going to be a very frustrating podcast because I won't be able to explain why it's so frustrating. <laughs> because obviously... Even here to, you were frustrated. On, well, yeah, because you know. I have to go in with the assumption that they are going to show these things at some point. Right. Um, so I'm not going to... I don't want to spoil them and just have them actually do it later. Right. So just... Oh God! I just I hope they do it. I really hope they do it. If All only right. because that way you don't have to worry about being spoiled on those things for another season. Of course, exactly. Um, I guess. I mean, I Joffrey's death. A lot of things that happened in the beginning of this season that were probably fresh on the minds of everyone who had read the books were completely a mystery to a lot of us. So, thank you for that. Uh, that was nice oh, to experience that pleasure. for the first time. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, thank you for discussing this, and I look forward to discussing the children next week. All right, I'll see you then. All right, see you then.